The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I have to tell you, I have been so buoyed by so many of you commenting on my Facebook page and in emails how much you're enjoying this show and how much you look forward to it each week. And I have to tell you, so do I. It's such a pleasure to talk to such interesting people, to share uplifting stories, to to open our minds and our hearts to the greater reality. That's what it's all about. And that's why the name of the show is so appropriate. For those of you who are new to my work, I am an evidence-based medium, a former Navy commander who had no idea there was a greater reality, very left brain, very much uh, if, if there's something that I can't touch or see or hear myself, then I'm not so sure it exists and how my life has changed after the death of my stepdaughter, Susan. Now I know that Love never dies, and that's not just a nice phrase. We don't die when the physical body dies, and today that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. I have to tell you that uh, those of you who've been with me since the show started know that each week it's just a, your guess is as good as mine where you were going to find me in a different state uh, trying to find a space to do this show from with a good signal. And I am just thrilled to let you all know that today I'm coming to you from my home in the Villages, Florida. We arrived back in the bus three hours ago and have been working like crazy to unload it. And so I can sit down here and do the show today. So I wouldn't want you to see me right now or the house, but we are in one place for a few months, and it is just great to be here. So let's get on with the show today. My guest, I know him personally, had the pleasure of meeting him and his wife at my event in Fairfax, Virginia just last month, but I've met them at my workshops previous to that, and I originally met my guest's wife through a reading I did. Today, we're going to be chatting with David Allison. He describes himself as a happily married husband for over 30 years and the father of three wonderful adult children. He's also a software engineer, consultant, and successful entrepreneur, specializing in building commercial applications and starting up companies from scratch. That's his left brain side. I totally identify with that left brain side, but 
he's here today to share the story with you of what happened through a family tragedy, which many of you will understand how that feels. Let me not go too much into the story without bringing him in. David Allison is our guest today. David, welcome to the show. Suzanne, thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure, and it will be everybody's pleasure when they hear your story. Uh, David reached out to me after writing a book as the result of the transition of his son, Davey. And he asked me if I would write an endorsement for the book and actually then asked me if I would write the foreword, which I did so happily because it's a wonderful book. The book is called Finding Davy: A Father's Search for His Son in the Afterlife. I think this is your first book, isn't it, David? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And you hit a home run with this one. I'll tell you, this book is a primer for parents with a child who has transitioned. Again, I'm going to say the title of this book numerous times throughout the show, Finding Davy. I think the main reason I wanted to have you on here, David, is because it's so important for men, particularly fathers who are grieving, to hear what you have to say, because you went in search of your son after he transitioned and you found him. So we're going to get into that in the show. I hope that's piqued everybody's interest. David, why don't you start by telling me about your family and then taking us back to what I know is the worst day in your life. Yeah. Um, so I'm, uh, as you mentioned, I'm happily married, uh, 32 years. Uh, my wife, Allison, and I have uh, three adult children, uh, Jocelyn, Davy, and Julia. And, uh, I'd had, uh, as a kind of just by way of background, had uh, a lot of success in my life. I'd, I'd done well uh, through my engineering practice. And uh, uh, that I was kind of feeling like I was on top of the top of the heap uh, when July 20th, uh, 2016 rolled around. And that was the day that two police cars pulled up to our house and uh, they informed us that um, our son Davey had uh, died in a solo car traffic accident. And that moment uh, just completely shattered my life. Uh, as any parent that's experienced the loss of a child knows, that um, that feeling of pain, that grief is, is physical. It's a physical manifestation, and it, and it really affected us in a very dramatic way. And when you come from the background that I have, where, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you're kind of used to dealing with an existential crisis every once in a while. Um, that's just the nature of building up businesses from scratch. Um, I thought I would be capable of handling this, and I was not. Um, it really did, uh, you know, pretty much literally drop me to my knees uh, when they told me this. And uh, that started us down this path, my wife and I and, and our daughters, of uh, trying to understand really what had happened. Um, you know, I had lost my mom five years earlier, and so I was not, uh, it, the concept of grief was not alien to me, but there was a, a period of time that I had to adjust to that. You know, my mom had been infirmed, she had dementia, there was a clear uh, path that was happening. And this just came so suddenly and mm -hmm. without any kind of warning that it really uh, had that deep impact on us. 
You know, David, um, yeah. when you when I read in your book the description of the police pulling up to your house, and you did a very good job of leading up to the fact that something was up, Davey hadn't come home, uh, you described falling to your knees, and it took me right back to the moment when my husband, Ty, the same thing happened to him when we found out about Susan, and and I I could relate to the, the shock of, of these men who we think are so strong having their legs literally taken out from under them. And I want to commend you in your book. You do such an excellent job of describing what that was like so that others know they're not alone in their grief. You, you really examined your feelings and described it uh, excellently. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. It was, it, you know, it's funny. The book didn't actually start out. I, I really didn't start writing a book. This was a journal um, because when you when you get dropped into a pit as deep as, as that grief is, um, you really don't have a sense of progress, uh, especially in the early days. And I had read somewhere that, you know, keeping a journal was an important thing so that at least you could look back on the previous days and see how you had progressed. So, the the book in, and especially in the beginning is very raw. Um, I also wanted to to make sure that people understood the depth of the grief that we experienced, because if you meet either me or my wife in person, you, there's a cognitive dissonance that occurs because we're not the you know we don't appear like grief stricken people and and I wanted to to make sure that people understood that depth and and also to a degree to help other people you know, friends and family that were kind of trying to understand what we've been through, give them that perspective. Um, because what happened next for me was a profound transformation. And, and so I kind of, when you, when you go down that kind of dark path, you want to be able to know that there's some kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's really what the, the real story behind the book is about. And, and that's why I was so anxious, so eager to have you on the show, because listen, everybody, this is just two years since Davey passed. And you can tell from from David's energy, from his voice, that he's in a, a really good place. And and he is. I met him, as I said, personally several times, and he's just found a way to to under, put all of this into greater perspective, which is what we're going to be talking about. David, before we get too far into this, I would love you to tell us about the changes you witnessed in Davy in the few days prior to the accident that took his life. Well, th- you know, that's, a, that's actually a really critical part of the story uh, because I, at the time that it was happening, I didn't really appreciate what I was experiencing because I didn't have any background in spirituality, continuation of consciousness. That was all kind of woo-woo to me. Uh, <laughs> so uh, as I started talking to Davey, and uh, this was, you know, just to back up a little bit, Davey and I had been working on a startup together with our my oldest daughter, Jocelyn. And so I was working with him every single day. And one day, three days before his accident, he says to me, Dad, I finally believe in God. And I looked at him like, what? is going on. Uh, I, it didn't make sense. And so we started to explore this topic and, and I covered in detail in the book, but you know, the, the, the primary focus was that over the course of the three days leading, <clears throat> leading up to his accident, it became very clear in retrospect that he knew this was coming. Um, he was preparing us. He was saying things and he was doing things that 
I would later reflect on, and it gave me so much comfort, um, you know, from things like coming up and hugging me, uh, hugging me and holding his face against my, the side of my head and saying, Dad, don't worry, I will never leave you. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, 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 I was in a, uh, I also was starting to experience this premonition that something was coming, but I didn't know what. And uh, that anxiety and that uh, kind of fear, if you will, uh, was pervasive in me. And then, you know, again, looking back on it, I, I believe that we both knew this was, this was happening. At a and, soul uh, level, at a soul level. Yes, and just percolating absolutely. up, huh? Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, and uh, it was only in re- on reflection later. And I was completely in denial of that. I just thought uh, the, the episodes that we had and some of the things that he said, um, some some beautiful and very poignant things that he said to me were were just you know nice things until I reflected on them later. But and, he was uh, absolutely it, joyous, wasn't he? Oh yeah, he was beside himself. Um, it was it was it was interesting though, Suzanne, because it was mixed. It, there were times that he seemed very preoccupied, and other times that he seemed very joyful, and so. Um, you know, my initial reaction to all of that, as I was kind of analytically trying to understand what was going on and this change that was happening with my son, I, I was thinking, is, it, is this like schizophrenia? Is there, is he taking drugs? Is there something going on that is causing this kind of behavioral reaction in my son? And, and this was and really, how long before he passed? Three days. There were Just three, three days. days. Very sudden. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so if, if I had to say that we had a warning sign, that was really it. Uh, so, you know, to say that it, it came completely out of left field was disingenuous. It really is that um, there were things leading up to it. I just didn't know it at that time. I didn't see those markers. Sure. I didn't see those signs. I didn't understand it. Exactly. So, and I don't uh, want everybody to become frightened and think if somebody suddenly finds God and is joyous and filled with love, it doesn't mean that they're about to pass. But each case no. is different. <laughs> and when you look back, like you said, on, on Davy's behavior, it clearly points to some kind of a soul awareness. Yes, I, I, I believe that that is the case. And, 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 I, and I agree with you. I, I think it's very... Uh, um, it, it wouldn't be wise to all of a sudden see any change in somebody's behavior as, oh, my gosh, this means uh, this is going to happen. Um, I think every person's journey is different. And the experience that I had and my wife had in dealing with Davy and, and what transpired in that and, and I cover in the book was unique to us. And I think every person has different soul journeys and different experiences. Um, there are commonalities among all of us. There are some things that are just so complete and unique to each one of us that we're meant to experience that are going to prepare us to be able to manage this the way we need to. So uh, I think that's an important point to make. Okay. So there you are in the depths of your grief, not able to sleep, according to your book, a wonderful book, Finding Davy, A Father's Search for His Son in the Afterlife. And you had an experience the first of many, as we'll talk about throughout yeah. the show, that that kind of shifted that grief. You want to tell us well, about that? Yeah, I had. Um, there were a couple of very quick moments that happened. 
the first was two days after Davy's accident. You know, we were still, I, I had not slept in two days. I had not eaten uh, anything in two days. Uh, I drank a lot of water <laughs> because I was crying like crazy. So uh, during that the two-day period, uh, uh, in the evening one night, uh, my wife and I were laying in bed just sitting there, and uh, everybody was supposed to be coming in. We were going to be doing Davy's celebration the following day. still felt completely surreal. And as I laid in bed, all of a sudden, the there was a light on the ceiling of the room, and it did not cast a shadow. It was the most bizarre light I'd ever seen. And I heard a voice clearly in my head that was, it, it sounded like I was listening to somebody speak to me. Uh, it didn't sound like my voice. It was just these words that came into my head. And it was, it's okay, you can sleep. And I dropped into, I, I just closed my eyes and I felt this tremendous uh, source of relief. I felt wrapped in this blanket of joy and comfort and I, my body just shut down and went to sleep and I and I had this beautiful dreamless slumber that I desperately needed and that was the first um, I had another brief moment of that when I was driving uh, to our beach house to see uh, my wife and uh, Allison and, and our daughter Julia were back at the beach and I was driving to see them and I had another one of those moments while I was driving where all of a sudden this warm feeling and it started in my heart and just took over my whole body. Everything became so uh, just happy. And, and it was weird because I had been mm -hmm. in so much pain that the contrast was severe. I, I really saw it. Um, and those moments were, they were fleeting. They came and they went. And I caught myself because I was still left-brained looking at it going, well, that's a weird, that's a weird reaction to have. <laughs> Is this how grief manifests itself? You know, that doesn't make any sense. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, there's a, this is where the battle started, right? You know, the, the left side and the right side of my brain were, were kind of like looking at each other going, you know, okay, it's time. We got to figure out what's going on here. And uh, that was kind of one of the things. Um, but the big one, the one that, that, that was for me profound was the morning uh, it was a Monday morning. I was back in my home office. I was sitting at my desk, and I had read uh, at this point. We were, I was now all of two and a half weeks into this journey, and um, uh, two and a half weeks since Davy's accident. And I and I read somewhere that it's a, a good idea to write a letter to a person that has passed. If you're suffering through grief, write a letter. It Let me interrupt here and exercise. just yeah. back that up and tell you that it is not only a good idea; it is an outstanding idea because. You are focused on that loved one. Your heart is wide open. You're quiet. It's your sole intention that they hear you. And trust me, everybody, they do. I've had so many loved ones come through and say they're reading over the family member's shoulder as they're writing. So go ahead, David. Okay. Well, I had not read any of that. <laughs> what I had read was that it was a cathartic exercise to kind of exercise the grief. It was really a grief management kind of thing. And there was nothing spiritual in my view about it. It turned into something spiritual. That was the thing. I was kind of like tripping over it. And I sat at my computer and I'm a typist. I, I, I'm, I'm on my computer all the time. So I sit in front of, in this case, Word and, and I've got a blank screen. And, and I thought, I, how do you write a letter to a child that's passed? Dear Davy, 
um, high sun. It seemed odd, and I just struggled with that. And I finally just wrote the one thing that I could think of, which is, I don't know if I can do this. And immediately after I typed that, I heard in my head, I, saw, I felt that the thought was just there. You can, Dad. It's okay. I'm right here. And Davey was speaking to me in my head. And it was the most bizarre experience. And Suzanne, I'm, I, as a medium, I know you're familiar with this. You, you get this is part of the experience for you. But for me, I was like, this is just bizarre. It didn't make any sense at all. Especially when you know you're not making it up and you hadn't expected it. I I love that you gave that perspective that you weren't doing this from some let me connect with my son intention. This was just like you said to get it out of your system. So I can imagine what a shock that was. It was it was a very bizarre feeling. And and it's interesting is you go if you go through the book and you read that the the transcript because I just wrote it down. I I literally saved that and that became a part of the book. Um, the messages that David gave me, the things that he said were completely alien to me. And in, and in some cases, it wasn't until later when I started reading books on spirituality, when I started reading books on mediumship, when I started understanding concepts of life after death and soul journeys and, and ways of looking at things that didn't have religious dogma attached to them, I started seeing similarities to the things that he was saying. So that, for me, it for, just for me, it was like this is this is a I'm, this is really odd. <laughs> this is I'm I'm getting something that I'm later getting validation and reading that that lines up with what people have uh, have written. Uh, something well, that I had not experienced. Let me tell you, David, when I read the transcript of that that beautiful reunion, and that's what it was that you had with Davey while writing to him, and you write it in this back and forth manner, your words than his words. As I was reading it, I thought, I wonder if David had all this spiritual knowledge, because this is truth that your son Davey was telling you. This is why things happen. This is the kind of things that my guide Sanaya have been saying for years now, and to read at the end of the chapter that you only learned about these things after Davy said them to you in that that beautiful reunion, that is just stunning. I I've I've formed a conclusion, and and we can talk about this uh, in a little bit. But I, you know, through meditation and through so much study, and and this is um, it does require discipline. It does require focused effort. Um, I've, I've reached the conclusion that we don't learn nearly as much as we uncover. We uncover things that we deep down fundamentally know. We're just kind of dusting off things and being able to see that we expose that. And I think that's an important perspective. One that I look at now and kind of think, wow, okay, that makes more sense. Um, uh, I don't know that I'd ever had any kind of education in anything that was remotely like this, being raised a, a Catholic and having uh, uh, the Catholic Church's teachings. Um, that was kind of the scope of my spiritual knowledge, if you will. So, Well, um, if you'll allow me, let me just share with everybody one paragraph that Davey said to you that just speaks absolutely to the truth as I understand it. May I? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So Davey said to you, well, let me see. He said, beliefs change over time. And then he said, time is something that only exists in the physical world. When you think of eternity, you think a really long time. But that's not how eternity works. 
Eternity isn't a line that runs forever. It just doesn't really exist at all. Eternity doesn't start and stop. It just is. And the more you focus on that, that's really deep. It's not just that's, words that you say. That, it's it's, it's, it's ironic that you pulled that one out, Suzanne, because that to me was the the aha moment that I looked at and thought, what are you saying, son? I don't, you know, you kind of blew my mind there because my perspective on eternity was, was exactly as he said, you know, it's like you, you think of it as a line and that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that, that really made me start doing even more research and doing more discovery and, and looking at things in a very, very different way. Um, yeah, it was, uh, that was a profound moment. And rightly so. We're going to be talking with David for another half hour, and he he has done so many things to increase his connection across the veil with his son, Davey. And I know you're going to want to stay with us to hear how you too can increase the connection with your loved ones who have passed. This is, like I said, finding Davey is like a primer for that. But let me ask you, we have a couple minutes before the break, David. What was your belief about life after death before Davy's passing? You said your mom had passed. What did you think came after the transition? I struggled with it. I wanted to believe it, but I didn't actually believe it. My The left side of my brain, uh, the gray matter, was convinced that all consciousness uh, was just chemical reactions in the brain. Um, everything that was me was defined by that you know, three pound gray matter floating around in my skull. That was where I lived. That's where I was defined. And so the idea that consciousness could survive physical death meant that I wasn't inside of my brain, which didn't feel right to me. So um, that was really the big aha moment. And it's something that we can, we can talk about uh, and explore, but it it was definitely um, one of the things where I struggled because I was receiving conflicting feelings about this you know on one side if consciousness is a byproduct of the chemical brain then death means it doesn't it ceases to exist the light switch turned off mm-hmm. on the other hand i was feeling it and it was there my son was there so exactly and how about your beliefs on uh, what were your spiritual beliefs or religious background um as a catholic i had a belief system that was uh, handed to me um, it's like, here's your belief system. Now stand, kneel, and do this. And there were specific things. And I don't mean to denigrate the Catholic faith by any means. If Catholicism brings comfort to people and that's a belief system they embrace, I think that's important. It was just one that I, I didn't, I struggled with. I, I really had a hard time kind of rationalizing that with the, the way that I had actually lived my life from a science-based standpoint. And the things that Davy started telling you really caused you to step outside the box. So I hope that you all will come back after the break. We're going to find out what it is that David did to connect with Davy and how you two can connect with your loved ones.
Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous donations of listeners like you. If you feel inspired by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make your offering today. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. I heard from a young lady who was just starting out as a Unity minister, and she said, I am not teaching prosperity yet in my ministry because I have not yet demonstrated it in my own life. And I don't think I should teach what I have not demonstrated. And I wrote her back and said, Honey, you've got it all backwards. You need to teach what you want to learn. You teach what you want to demonstrate because you cannot demonstrate what you do not know. There must be an inworking before there can be an outworking. To find out more about Unity Teachings, visit unity.org. Since 1924, Daily Word has offered inspiration and practical teachings through daily prayer messages to help people of all faiths live happy, healthy lives. The magazine includes two months of daily affirmations, messages, articles, and spiritual poetry to help you get inspired. Subscriptions are available for print editions in large type and Spanish, as well as the digital subscription package that includes the online magazine with audio, smartphone app, and daily email. Get your subscription today. Visit dailyword.com or unity.org. Sometimes you might feel so alone with your problems, you don't know where to turn. We invite you to call Silent Unity, the 24-7 prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you every day at any hour. Listen and relax as you hear their beautiful words affirm the highest and best outcome for you and those you love. No matter what's going on in your life, Silent Unity is always standing by. Call today, 816-969-2000. Get inspired with Temple Hayes and the Intentional Spirit, Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Each week, Temple shares tools and practices to help you thrive in the most challenging times. Temple also welcomes fascinating guests who share their stories and struggles on the spiritual path. Follow Temple on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date with the show. Become an Intentional Spirit with Temple Hayes here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Oh, we are having such a great conversation with David Allison, father of Davy Allison, who has transitioned, but 
who David has learned is still very much with him. Let me tell you before we go on that next week is the first Thursday of the month, and that means it's going to be questions and answers with my guide, Sanaya, and with me. So if you have any questions, get them ready. Don't send them in advance. Just be ready to call in next Thursday. And all of my shows are in the archives at unityonlineradio.com, I believe. Yeah. Oh, it could be org. Ack. It's Jeff, are you org. listening? <laughs> Okay. .org. Okay. So back to David Allison. David, you had some signs from your son, Davey, after he passed. Now, you're very left-brained, an engineer, and very analytical, and you had signs with butterflies. Oh, yeah. How did, how did was... you know that was a sign? Why didn't you just write that off as a coincidence? Well, you know, it's, it's easy to write off. I mean, realistically, and this is this is I think this is really important for people that have uh, heard, you know, look for the signs. Um, signs are really the way you accept them. And if you you can look at anything and go, oh, that look at that random occurrence. That that's just the way it is. Um, when I experienced, and I've had so many signs. One of the most profound was ones was uh, we have butterfly bushes in our backyard. We this time of year, especially, we have um, swallowtails and monarchs everywhere. And when you walk out in the backyard, butterflies fly away. They go across. They they are everywhere. Um, they're very skittish creatures. They tend to not like people too close to them. And one morning, I had a butterfly land right in front of me, and I put my hand out and he just crawled right on my hand. And uh, that, that has never happened. I was never able to get close to butterflies before, you know, not, you know, I've seen them land on people before, but never walked up and it just said, Hey, I'll hang out with you for a little while. And when that happened, I got this feeling of like electricity through my body, my whole body kind of vibrated. And at that moment, I had that, that, as I explained before, that kind of feeling of bliss come over and it was that accepting of the sign. I think, you know, receiving a sign is it's important not just to, to acknowledge the sign, but to accept it. And as soon as I felt, oh, my gosh, Davey, you know, you're, you're sending me a butterfly. This is so cool. Boom. I I was in that moment. That moment, you know, really hit me. Uh, the the best part, though, and I, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead for you, Suzanne, but uh, was when I got validation of that. Uh, in a reading by you. Uh, from my reading, that, yes. You're my reading with your wife, your Allison, reading. in fact. Yeah, that was uh, that was so cool. So um, knowing Let's just take later, a second here and just val- by validation, what he means is I, I knew nothing about the, the yeah. butterfly signs, but in connecting so clearly with Davey, who is an amazing communicator, strong, vibrant spirit, I told your wife, Allison, I said, and Davey's showing me that he sends you butterflies and he sent you a butterfly and there's something about a butterfly landing on someone's hand and staying there. And it was so beautiful yeah. when it was either you or she sent me the photos and the video of that butterfly. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was just, uh, uh, it was, it was, great on so many levels, not just because uh, as a medium, you, you were creating that validation of the connection, but it was also great for me because it validated that that was really a sign and it wasn't just me, you know, wanting it to be a sign. And it kind of creates that reinforcement loop, you know, that, that, yeah. that concept of, oh my gosh, this is real. And believing it and, and really embracing it, I think is such an important part 
of making those signs happen more frequently and the depth of those those signs. And and another key point for everybody listening is that it's your loved ones that put the thought in your head. Pay attention to that. And that's why you connect the dots. It's that big Mm -hmm. connection. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we continue to get signs. Um, uh, when I, when you and I were communicating about the book, uh, we just received a sign this last 4th of July and, uh, we felt Davy's presence and, uh, we were in, in a, in an, in an area where, uh, Davy had been many times and Allison and I and our youngest daughter, Julia, were standing together. Somebody took our picture and uh, sure enough, right behind us, we didn't plan it. Obviously it, uh, a heart shaped firework went off right behind us. And, and so we have this beautiful picture of the three of us with this heart right over us in this, you know, a firework shaped like a heart. Um, well, that's a keeper. The only one they did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and Allison had said, oh my gosh, I feel like Davy's right here with us right before that picture. So um, it really is that we share that. That's one of the things that I've been really blessed with uh, because this journey and, and finding Davy isn't really just about me. It, it is also Allison's journey as well. Um, you know, she's played such a pivotal role in this. Uh, and I clearly could not be doing this without her. Uh, she's just amazing. Um, she had been on a spiritual journey, had been considering a lot of these things, but she did it independent of me. I, she had that part of her life and I had sports. So, you know, we kind of uh, were, were separate there. Um, but when this happened, she started exposing that, that world to me and started saying, here's some material, think about this, or look at this, watch this video. And that really is what helped me. Uh, it was a and, huge, and I know like a, from talking to so many wives and moms, it is so awesome for them when the husband, the partner gets on board and is excited and shares it with them and doesn't just say, well, you just go do your thing. You know, I know that that yeah. brought you closer <laughs> together. Well, I think it's, you know, this gets back to like the thing with the signs. It's a feedback loop. And when you are able to share this with someone, when you're able to kind of play off each other and discuss it, I, I mean, we love that we could just talk about it. We talk about this kind of stuff all the time. Uh, and that's that's really a blessing. Um, and as anybody that's been any done anything in the spiritual space knows, you, you know, spirituality and, and your belief system, is not something you bring up in casual conversation. Um yeah. So I would it, just like to it, make it, a it, comment for for those of you women whose men are not on this path, that is their path to not be on the path. Please don't be frustrated. Just just understand that's where they are. But at the, by the same token, any men listening to the show, it's okay to follow this path. And so let's continue. David, would you share with with those listening, especially the men, what it is that you changed in your lifestyle, what you started doing to increase your connection with Davy. The the first thing for me being so left brain was I wanted to understand that consciousness can survive physical death. That was that was really an important thing for me because you know it's kind of a non starter if it's not at least possible. And mainstream science has a tendency to to view uh human consciousness the way I did, which is it's a byproduct of the chemical reactions in the brain. And so starting to do research and starting to look into that became a really important thing for me. And it's interesting because as soon as you start to scratch the surface, and it's not fringe science, this is real legitimate science. There's so much out there to validate 
the continuation of consciousness. And, and there's, there's obviously the, um, what some would qualify as subjective things, but there are, there are so many things that are objective. Um, the work that uh, the University of Virginia's Division of Perceptual Studies, that was one of the areas that I just looked at and thought, wow, this is a 50-year study that has mm-hmm. documentation of so many examples of paranormal phenomena, of uh, uh, near-death experiences uh, with elements of it that, that, were, that went beyond just a chemical shutdown of the brain and uh, reincarnation. And the reincarnation was the one that really got me. Uh, some of the stories are profound and the documentation they used to, to ensure that not only were they able to get examples of reincarnation in children, but being going back and tracing back to the life that that child was expressing and validating that the things that the child experienced was what transpired with the person that they were before. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got so many examples of that. And uh, the, the science behind how they collected that data, to me, is, it is just fascinating. And, and what it did was it opened the door for me. It allowed me to start viewing things so that I could you know, say, I think that this is, this is possible. This is definitely possible. So these feelings that I'm having are valid. They're not just, you know, wishful thinking. And how about going for that personal experience yourself? How about meditation? So uh, I mentioned this in the book. I I believe personally, I think that, and frankly, independent of whether you are spiritually oriented or not, meditation is the single most important thing you can do for your body. Uh, And the idea of being able to learn how to quiet that frantic, busy mind, that ongoing conversation a stream of thought that is never ending. In my case, uh, you know, there was this ongoing dialogue and, and uh, learning how to quiet that. In this case, for me, grief was actually a gift, the early stages of grief, because all of my, all of those thoughts just exited out of my head. You know, they, they, they just dropped out. And uh, all of a sudden I found myself just focused on grief. And as, as I started to turn into a normal person again, I recognized that I had the ability to control, to manage those thoughts. Uh, I couldn't necessarily stop thoughts from happening, but I could not engage them. And that's what meditation helped me learn how to do. And I yeah, It's an important short. distinction because you didn't say silence my thoughts or silent my mind. You said quiet it. And it's, and it's yes. that recognition of how frantic, using your word, and how active our minds are. And meditation caused you to just focus it, right? Oh, yeah, that it's such a beautiful experience. And, and I, you know, I, I can't stress and it's ironic that I would use the word stress uh, enough that people should meditate. Um, it, it's the best way to be able to connect spiritually. Um, and it's just a healthy thing to do for your mind, being able to kind of reset it. Um, I meditate uh, 20 minutes every day uh, unless I don't have time. And then I do 30 minutes because I really need it. Um, it's so it's really important. I I could not stress that more. You say you sound like me, David. This is how I feel about it because this is what's made my connection with the greater reality 
so clear and made it possible. For those of you who are listening, there are so many books on meditation. There are so many methods, and I can hear you saying, well, where do I start and what do I do? Just start with a little – I have a free ebook on my website under resources. There's a page called Meditation, and it's called Mastering Meditation. Start there and just allow yourself to be guided to what works for you. But – David, you were you were dedicated. I understand that. You just wanted to connect with Davy and found so much more. But let's get back to Davy. What else did you do that helped you to to sense him around you? Well, once once I was able to to kind of quiet the mind and go into that meditation, it really was learning how to uh, to listen. Um, to accept that some of the thoughts that I was having, some of the things that I was experiencing in meditation were Davy coming to me. Um, and being able to, to take that, those meditation techniques out on the road, so to speak. Um, I have always enjoyed being outdoors, and I'm an avid, uh, avid hiker and camper. Uh, being outside is a chance to kind of reconnect with nature. And some of the experiences that I had, some of the spiritual experiences I had, uh, were directly related to being in kind of a natural setting, being able to to walk the earth and see things in a different way. Um, Would you share with to, us the most profound yeah. experience you had out there in nature? Oh, absolutely. It's one of my, one of my favorite parts of the book, frankly. Uh, the, the, the morning that uh, I was hiking with, uh, Spencer, Davy's best friend, and Spencer's dad, John, the four of us, Davy, John, Spencer, and I, had gone backpacking before. And uh, it, unfortunately, it was the, the last time we got to do it uh, was the November before Davy's accident. And we had made plans and we really wanted to do it again, but never got that chance. But I have uh, gone with John and Spencer multiple times since then. And uh, and that was tough at first because I, you know, here I'm watching my son's best friend and his dad uh, be together. And uh, we were doing a single day hike and we were standing on the side of a mountain and uh, I'm watching John and Spencer and feeling a little down. And, uh, and then Davey's voice popped in my head. I said, Dad, I'm right here. I'm right here. And, you know, I kind of thought, okay, this is nice. Like, Davey's here. And then we started to continue the hike. And as I started, we started climbing up this mountain and I was in the lead. All of a sudden I felt Davy's presence and I kind of looked up and I, all of a sudden I saw Davy on the trail in front of me. <laughs> and this wasn't a materialization. This wasn't a, you know, I've, I've read of other people seeing a materialization of a person, you know, where they're physical and they look very real. It, this wasn't that, but I could make out every detail of him. It's just that it was a mental uh, third eye, if you will, view of my son. And when I looked up on the trail, I didn't see him. But as soon as I looked down at my feet, because the trail was really rocky and it was a very rough trail, he was I could see him clearly in my, in my third eye. And um, the irony is he's, he's standing in front of me and he's waving me up. And I can hear him saying, come on, Dad. And I just start hoofing up this trail. I'm pumping as hard as I can. And uh, the thought that came to me was not that I'm seeing an apparition of my son. It was that he was wearing shorts and it was like 20 degrees out. <laughs> He's going to be so cold. And, and it, it's like, I guess, you know, you can't shake that being a dad. You know, it was like, 
Oh, I don't want him to be sick. <laughs> it's like, oh no, this is not the. That's not the way this works. Um, and uh, the feeling was just profound, and I just took off. And uh, before I knew it, uh, I left John and Spencer way behind me, and uh, um, I was just desperately trying to catch him. Um, it's like he was in front of me, and and the the peak, the apex of that climb left us on a ridge that overlooked the, um, these rivers around, uh, West Virginia. And, uh, it was just this beautiful scene. Sun was rising and I felt Davey was right there with us. Just this beautiful sense of his presence. And, you know, John and Spencer caught up and, and, uh, we just had one of those moments. It was just being there to share that, especially with, uh, Davey's best friend <clears throat> was, was, a it was just a beautiful moment. That's awesome. Oh, how we all would love to have that. And and it happens by grace, but it also happens thanks to your efforts and you clearly doing that daily meditation to train the brain to to get to know a different state of awareness than the one we normally walk around in. Now you announced and dove right in, you attended workshops, classes, conferences. That's that's all in. Was that helpful for you? Yeah. Completely. Unbelievably. Um, if for no other reason than the effort that we were putting in was, and it didn't pay off in the very early stages, you know, in the early stages of grief, we were, we were so caught up in it that it was hard at first. Um, we were looking for anything. Um, and, uh, then over time it became easier and better and more pronounced. And uh, the meditation practice that both Allison and I use every day it is, I believe, is something that helps open that conduit, open that connection. Um, what became more pronounced? The feeling of connection, that that okay. moment of hearing his voice when when I need him, when I want to hear from him. And what was interesting was the, and and this is something that I didn't expect, was the way that the relationship has evolved with Davey now for me is different. It, it wasn't like it was in the beginning. In the beginning of my meditation experience and connecting with Davey regularly, not the things where I saw him, but just connecting with him, um, I wanted to communicate with him. And there was this feeling of experiencing where he was at that time, where he is now. And then later it changed and the relationship I have with Davey now is just one of when I connect with him, it's just this being in his presence is all I need because I feel him there. And my dad and my mom and other family that I now have across the veil, it's just become so much easier to connect with them and just feel that love and the connection. That yes. for me was the, oh, it's like, I crave it. When I go into meditation, it's just like that beautiful bliss moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's so important to have that. Pr it's a, it's a time that you set aside for a specific purpose and it's so easy to get wrapped up in life. Now, David, I remember just after you had sent me the, the manuscript for this book, Finding Davy, mm -hmm. another shining light dad, a dad with a son on the other side, Mark Russo, reached out to me, and he had been to my Serving Spirit class, just as you had, and to learn to connect with his son. And he wrote to me and said that he was discouraged and and was looking for ways to connect better. And I remember reaching out to you and saying, may I connect the two of you? And I said, Mark, you got to talk to David Allison, because he's very left brain like you are. You guys just 
get to talking. And he did reach out. And what did you share with him that you can just share with everybody else here, even if we've already talked well, about it? Just summarize your conversation. Yeah, the, 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 the key thing was that he was struggling because he didn't feel like he was connecting with his son. He didn't feel like he was seeing sign, getting signs or, or getting that connection. And then he would describe signs that he was getting. And, and I said, Mark, you, you're getting the signs. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're getting them. And he's like, well, do you think that was a sign? <laughs> and so a lot of it was really just allowing it to happen, allow, you know, accepting it. And, and Mark is, just, he's an amazing guy. He and Lisa, his wife are, you know, have been dealing with a lot and they, uh, his, his perspective, I mean, he's got such a great perspective on it. He just opened himself up to it. Um, and he realized how much he had to let go. That was really the core thing was he was holding on to, I have a very specific view of how this should work, and this isn't it, so this must be wrong. And I think once he started to accept that, oh, wait, this, this is what I get, then they start to expand, and then it That's starts fantastic. to happen, and then it starts to open. So you wanted to talk some more about belief systems, because it just yeah. dovetails with what we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, belief systems are interesting because I think we carry so much baggage with us. You know, our beliefs can be uh, a real hindrance if we if we only if we are if we're dogmatic in our beliefs and, and irrational in our beliefs, then we really limit ourselves in being able to grow. And I think it's important and incumbent on everybody that if you have a belief system that is not taking you where you want to be, if you find yourself unhappy, then it, it's OK to question that belief system, because if you have a belief system that can't be questioned, then it's probably not your belief system. It's probably something that somebody handed to you and said, this is what you believe. Um, or either that or it's, that. there are fears behind it that you just need to root out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that's the nature of, of beliefs in general is they, they get, they, they, you know, want, you believe one thing and, and there's all these riders and attachments that come with it. Oh, this sounds really good, but Oh, I have to believe this and this and this too. Oh, <laughs> and so that—that's a part of it. I think. Um, I think it is important, though. You know, the belief system is yours and yours alone. Uh, nobody can make you believe something. You you accept the belief system of somebody else. Um, and if you're a surrogate for somebody else's belief system, then you're not. In my opinion, you're not being true to yourself. Uh, and I think that's being able to question that and change your belief system and modify it. That's a gift that you have. That's a power you have. And you yeah. should use that power. And changing constantly. They never, the, the growth never ends. And so our beliefs, we, we need to constantly look at them. Let me ask you about helping parents heal. Has, how has, mm -hmm. what has your relationship been with that organization that's so wonderful for parents with a child across the veil? It's such a fantastic organization. I, I'm, uh, love helping parents heal. We've got a local chapter run by Colleen uh, Smith, who you know very well. Um, oh yes. Uh, Colleen, Colleen is amazing, uh, and becoming a, a medium uh, herself. Just uh, she's she's created a nice group for us, um, and being able to communicate with people and, and share experiences with that group. We've got a really nice group, and then the larger group. Uh, that you know, um, the folks have created has just uh, just some really quality people that genuinely want to help parents achieve that uh, goal of becoming that shining light. I think that's just so important. 
You bet. And how about your daughters, Julie and Jocelyn? Mm-hmm. How has sure. your uh, connection with Davy and the way you've processed your grief and, and you're moving forward with Davy, how has that helped them? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, it goes in stages. <laughs> it's not uh, because they're both adults and they're both living their own lives. We aren't checking in like Allison and I do every day. Uh, so uh, they're they're on the same page as we are in terms of this concept of the concept of this. Um, but they're also in a kind of a social setting where spirituality isn't like a topic that they bring up. So in some ways, it's you know in the safe zone of talking it inside of our home. Um, but it isn't something where they're going to groups or meetings with other people like we do with Helping Parents Heal. Uh, so it is at a different level. They're, they're experiencing it in a different way. But, but I see the growth that each of our children have experienced as a result of this, and it's been a positive thing. It's just a, an issue of embracing that. Um, Wonderful. That, that took some time. Well, we only have one minute to go, David. And so everybody, I want you to check out David's website, davidallison.com. And that's with one L, David, A-L-I-S-O-N.com and his book, Finding Davy. Can you wrap it up quickly for us, David? What's the one thing you'd like everybody to take away from this conversation? If you are a parent going through the grief of losing a child, that it can be okay. It will be okay. And it's really, you are more powerful than you know. And if you allow yourself to be okay, then then it's possible. It really is what you allow. <clears throat> if you allow it, it can happen. Beautiful. And I just congratulate Dave on writing this beautiful book. Like I said, a primer for parents, especially the men, the left brain folks who want to believe so badly. This book allows us not only to believe, but to find our own path to connecting with those across the veil. Thank you so much, David. Suzanne, thank you so much. I appreciate everything you've done. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.